0: You're listening to the Folklore Forum, a podcast dedicated to discussing, dissecting, and sometimes retelling folk tales. Hello, welcome to the Folklore Forum. In this episode, I'm discussing the life and legacy of renowned Danish fairy tale author Hans Christian Andersen. Not only am I going to give a brief overview of his life and discuss the historical context in which he lived, I'm also going to introduce some of the interesting theories about his life, plus share an exclusive piece of Icelandic lore that overlaps and possibly intertwines with Han's mysterious origins. I'll give you a hint, it's about an ancestor of mine. So if you're ready to escape into the realm of folklore and fairy tales, then come on in. The forum is now open. Hans Christian Andersen. Most of you hopefully have heard of that name before. He is a famous Danish writer of fairy tales. You know some of his stories like The Little Mermaid, The Nightingale, The Emperor's New Clothes, The Red Shoes, The Princess and the Pea, The Snow Queen, The Ugly Duckling, The Little Match Girl, and Thumbelina. Many of his stories have been turned into film and cartoons Several of them have had Disney put their spin on it. Uh, Most recently, I believe, was The Snow Queen, which morphed into their story of Frozen. It's not really the same as the Hans Christian Andersen tale, but there are some elements that are similar. If you watch the TV show on ABC, Once Upon a Time, they do a Frozen storyline where they bring in these other characters and it more closely follows the you know, the Danish fairy tale. But if you haven't seen that TV show, don't worry. Pick up a book of Hans Christian Andersen at your library and discover the beautiful, sad, often depressing world of Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tales. So Just as it is currently in Iceland, they had the tradition of taking your father's name and adding son or sen at the end. so. Technically Hans should have been a Hansson because his father was also Hans Anderson and his grandfather was Anders Jurgensen. So stay with me. The grandfather is Anders Jurgensen. The father is Hans Anderson. See? Anderson the son of Anders. And then our Hans Christian should have been Hansson but instead he becomes Andersen by taking his father's name. Now in 1826 in Denmark, they abolished the patronymic name system. So I'm not really sure if everybody then changed their last name, or if this is related to our writer Hans's sort of mysterious parentage. But we'll get to more on that on later. So who was born in 1805 in what was Denmark and Norway? To if you believe this story, to relatively poor, working-class, struggling parents. His father was a shoemaker, his mother was a washerwoman, she had a child from another marriage as well. Life growing up for Hans was a struggle. The one fond thing that Hans has written in journals and it's in his biographies is that His father did sort of introduce him to fantastical stories. It's noted that Hans's father read him The Tales of the Arabian Nights and that stuck with Hans as he grew older and began writing his own material. But growing up for Hans was hard. He went to local school for poor children and, you know, was able to get a basic education, but not for very long. He became an apprentice to a weaver and a tailor to try out different trades. But he really had dreams of being on the stage, being an actor. And as a young boy, he was gifted with a wonderful voice. And so his goal was to get into some kind of school where he could explore those talents. Problem is, to go to those schools, you need money. You need support, you need a patron of some kind. And at age 14, Hans did move to Copenhagen in an attempt to become an actor and his excellent soprano voice did get him accepted to the Royal Danish Theatre, but he hit puberty pretty quickly thereafter and his voice changed. And sadly, his wonderful soprano singing voice disappeared and his new adult voice did not carry the same talents as he had before so becoming a singer and a performer on stage was sort of a dream that crumbled around him but someone in his life told him that he was a good poet so he decided to pursue writing he couldn't sing but writing was still creative and a great outlet for him and somewhere along the line he met a man named Jonas Collin He was a director at the Royal Danish Theater, and he helped raise some money to send Hans to grammar school so he could continue his education. Now, to get into this grammar school, you needed money. And I want to put a pin in this. I'm going to mention it, and we're going to come back and discuss this, because it's a very interesting point. It's well documented that the person that Jonas Collin convinced to pay Hans's tuition was none other than king frederick vi of denmark the king of denmark paid for young hans to go to grammar school and get an education so he could pursue his writing we're going to come back to king frederick it's very important but i think that's very very interesting you know i would be curious if there is any resource out there that like lists all the philanthropic things that king frederick did because this is going to come up again So Hans goes off to grammar school, he works on his craft of writing. His very first story was called The Ghost at Palnotoki's Grave. He wrote that in 1822. Now, keep in mind, these are Danish stories, so these are the English titles for them. The originals would have been in Danish. Hans also attended a school at Elsinore until 1827, probably after grammar school. And at this place, he had the worst worst years of his life. He's described this as being the darkest, most bitter time. The faculty there actively discouraged him from writing. He fell into a depression while there, and he lived with the schoolmaster, probably because he had no family to be with and maybe couldn't afford other lodgings, but the schoolmaster was horrible to him and has even been noted as abusing him. Now, leaving school um, Made a name for himself. He traveled widely throughout Europe in between conflicts and wars. You know, he overcame the hardships of his childhood and sort of bloomed a little bit into writing. He started out with plays, he wrote poems, he traveled widely through Europe in between conflicts and wars, and actually did very well for himself. He wrote travelogues that were popular, He wrote novels to moderate success, and then he began literary fairy tales. In total, he's written 156 stories that have been published in nine volumes, and today are, you know, publishers will pick and choose the favorites and put them out in collections that we still read today. His works have also been translated into over 125 languages. In addition to movies there have been ballets and plays that are inspired by his works in denmark near copenhagen there's city hall square where there is a large bronze statue of him on the corner of hc anderson's boulevard if you've ever been to denmark maybe you've seen this or if you plan to go put it on your list of things to see there's also a mermaid sculpture in tribute to his the little mermaid i'm not sure where that is i haven't been to Denmark or Copenhagen but if you've been there and you've seen it tell us about it please. So that is a rough rough overview of Hans Christian Andersen's life. He died on the 4th of August in 1875 in Copenhagen and he is buried in the assistance cemetery also in Copenhagen. Now let's get into the interesting pieces. Who was Hans Christian Andersen? We know that he grew up in poor circumstances. We know that he had a hard time in school, didn't really know what he was great at. He had dreams that were dashed by growing up and having your voice change and he became a writer and he had pretty good success while he was alive and he became, you know, quite popular. But all accounts of him suggest that he was odd, to say the least. And I think if you read his fairy tales, Unlike the Grimm Brothers or Jon Arneson in Iceland, instead of collecting folk tales directly from people and recording them in a way that's very close to how they were told, Hans invented stories. He took old stories that were known and he made them his. He stylized them. He made them into literary works, which is just a different style. It doesn't make them any more valid or less valid or more truthful or more historical whatnot it just it's a different way of doing it and if you look at some of the characters the little mermaid the ugly duckling the snow queen these are all characters that are hurting inside and i think that's a good reflection maybe on what hans was going through some accounts of him say that he was socially awkward self-conscious about his looks he thought he was funny or ugly looking he tried to have a friendship with charles dickens he i guess was a very big fan of charles dickens he'd met him a few times and dickens invited him i believe dickens invited him to come stay with him or maybe hans was on a tour of britain and sort of invited himself over and what was supposed to be a few nights turned into a couple weeks and dickens has been recorded in letters stating his relief once hans finally left saying that he was very awkward, hard to relate to, kind of demanding, and full of mood swings. So that is a little bit of old gossip. (laughs) But I think if you look at many of the great writers who write stories about characters who are outcasts, who are different, who feel awkward, a lot of those authors either have felt that themselves directly or they relate to them in some way. So it's not quite surprising that this is Hans' life. Let's go back to that pin and let's talk about Frederick VI of Denmark. Frederick is sort of a noted Danish monarch because he was the son of Christian VII of Denmark, who's been labeled as the Mad King, and Queen Carolyn Matilde of Great Britain. Frederick's father, Christian VII, had mental illness problems, which made him... A tyrant at times, and completely incapable of ruling at other times. And there's the famous story of his one of his doctors, Strunzi, became close with the queen, close to the king, overstepped his boundaries, and basically ruled Denmark for a little while, and tried to impose all these sweeping reforms based on his liberal beliefs. So King Frederick actually took the throne at a very young age, and... He just seemed very level-headed, and he seems to have made some good decisions for the country, but also made some big losses, but no matter who was the monarch, it probably would have gone that way. Like For example, in 1815, the Napoleonic Wars ended, and as a result of some of those conflicts and ceding of land, Norway actually parted from Denmark, so it was under Frederick VI that Denmark no longer ruled Norway and later on in another conflict towards the end of Frederick's life, Denmark would also cede some land to Germany. But King Frederick VI was born January 28, 1768, and he was the king in 1808, so just shortly after Hans was born. Now the reason I want to talk about Frederick is because he's the one who was convinced by Jonas Collin, a mentor of Hans, to pay for Hans's tuition. Now there are theories out there and some of these interesting stories that there are good articles out there to read and i will link them in the show notes but this one author jens Jurgensen, he's also a historian he has this theory that hans was not the child of his parents as it is stated in the biographies and his reasoning is that apparently hans was born only two months after his supposed parents married now that alone is not much evidence. I'm sure that happened a lot back then. But this historian also states that Hans's father was 22 and his mother was 40. Again, not outside the realm of possibility that those were his real parents. But the question is... Hans's birth certificate, apparently, his birth record, was not recorded until he was around 17. And again, that might be something that would be more common if you come from a poorer family. You know, it's not like today, if you give birth in a hospital, you can't leave without filling out some forms. Some other evidence that he sees supporting his theory includes some records of some noble woman Being pregnant around the same time as Hans's birth and being delivered at Hans's birth. And then there's Hans's name, Hans Christian Andersen. This Jurgensen historian thinks that the future King of Denmark, Christian, is actually the father. He would have been a prince at the time. So the theory is that Hans's true parents were Prince Christian. And this other noble woman, and because they were not going to get married, she birthed the baby, which was then quietly adopted to a, a family that could take care of the child, but then was quietly subsidized by the monarchy. And that way, when Frederick was approached to pay for the tuition, he was easily convinced to do so because of that royal connection. As promised, I'm going to tell you a piece of Icelandic lore that sort of parallels this Hans story and maybe, you know, there's similarities that maybe gives credit to both stories or maybe just shows that there were theories like this throughout Danish history. You decide. I want to tell you about an Icelandic man named Samuel Föderse. Samuel was actually born in Denmark. He was born on the 23rd of August in 1794. So that's 11 years before Hans was born. Now, Samuel's parentage is a mystery. There is lore around this. We do know that Samuel was born at a place in Copenhagen so in English, we'd call it a maternity and caring institute. It was a place where women who weren't married, didn't want to keep their baby, couldn't financially keep a baby, could go and deliver their baby and just leave it there. No questions asked. And the caretakers would ensure that the babies were cared for and given to a family. Sounds pretty radical for the 1700s, but woohoo! Samuel was born in one of these places and it seems that he was given to somebody who was located lived on monarch i don't even know crown lands <laughs> maybe not in the castle but on the grounds of the castle and there are records that show that money from the castle was given to raise Samuel which has led to the speculation that Samuel's father was king frederick the sixth he would have been a prince at this time he wasn't yet king and this woman is supposedly a daughter of a merchant in denmark it was unnamed We don't know for sure but there is this lore that king frederick the sixth when he was still prince had a child with a danish merchant's daughter she gave it up for adoption through this care institute and the crown then funneled money to raise samuel samuel grew up when he was 20 he emigrated to iceland he has the name samuel frederickson which under icelandic naming tradition his father was the frederick i don't believe that samuel benefited anyway once he was in iceland for having any connection to the crown it shows that he became a carpenter, he had a few children, he traveled back and forth between Denmark and Iceland, probably on merchant ships with his wife and kids. They eventually settled in a farm, on a piece of farmland close to Valsgrisfjordr, which is in the east of Iceland. If you go there today, it has a a connection with France due to some French fishermen who would fish in that fjord frequently. there's a really neat museum there, and it's it's a beautiful country. Now, when it comes to names, it's very interesting because Jorun and Samuel had seven children. The first one they named Fridrika, which would be the girl's version of Frederick. The second was Louisa Maria, which Louisa Maria was one of King Frederick's daughters with his you know queen wife. So that's interesting similarities there. The third child was a boy they named him Frederick. Fourth was Johanna Frederica. Fifth was Laurus Pieter. Sixth child was Samuel. And number seven was Stefan. Now these seven children grew up they all grow up i'm just checking my notes here it looks no the foot fir- in my records the first child didn't no, no did not make it past childhood but there are six children here that did and most of the descendants are still in that east east fjords maybe until recent generations some have moved away but they're still there and there are icelandic records. That have this family, and they have that story saying, you know, our forefather, Samuel Frederick, was the illegitimate child of King Frederick VI. The same King Frederick VI that financed Hans's education. So that is a very cool connection. Not only because it kind of connects an Icelandic family story of being related to royals and getting financing you know same with hans being sort of taken care of at an arm's length distance by the royal family but the best in my opinion because it involves me the best part of this lore and this connection with hans is that child number two the oldest daughter to make it to adulthood Luisa maria she went on to have a daughter who she named Frederica was born in 1849. Frisvika then had several children. One was a daughter named Wilburg. Wilburg had a son named Pieter. Pieter had a son named Merle. Merle had a daughter named Andrea. And Andrea had a daughter named Natalie, which is me. I have a direct possible connection overlapping with Hans. They're not that far apart in age. It's possible that, as Samuel was going back and forth from Iceland and Denmark, he might have passed Hans on the street in Copenhagen. Who knows, maybe they went to a similar party. We can never know. But that is part of my desire to cover Hans Christian Andersen first on the podcast. Because I think it is so important when we look at people in history, Famous people, notable people, because most of the records are about people who've done things that others thought were noteworthy to write down and keep a record of. It's important to look at the, the context of the time they lived in. What else in history was happening when they were alive? What might have impacted the way they saw the world? And then, the more you know about your own personal story, your own family's folklore and legends the more you can relate to the things you learn in history you know the story of the ugly duckling it's not just a folk tale or a fairy tale written in a book by somebody who lived a hundred hundred years ago when you know where you come from if you are able to research your ancestors you can suddenly look back and be like wow five Six generations ago, my forefathers and mothers were reading in real time Hans's new and published works and wonder, what did they think about it? It just makes it all more real and more personal and less fantastical in a way. So that is the brief history of Hans Christian Andersen. The rumors about his life and my own personal connection with a piece of icelandic lore now it's your turn do you have an opinion on one of hans christian Andersen's fairy tales do you have a favorite least favorite recommendation for a movie or tv show that covers his stories come and share it your stories your reflections and opinions on the website www.folkloreforum.org forward slash contact or come share it on the blog in the comments, wherever you prefer. And if you share your story or your opinion, you might just hear it on a future episode of the podcast. few of you have written in and I'm looking forward to doing a listener focused episode in the near future, so watch for that. New episodes are released every other Friday on the website, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most places where you find podcasts. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I'm Natalie Katormsen, and this has been the Folklore Forum.